friends, welcome to Log On at 11, Spurgeon Baptist Church's online presence during this current COVID season. Uh, we're going to follow what has become our regular pattern for one of these things. Uh, we're just going to use a little liturgy to hold everything together. If you've got a print copy of that in front of you, everything in bold type is what we say together. Everything in light type, I'll say on my own. Uh, if you're following on the screen, Everything in yellow type is what we say together. So let's begin. In the beginning, before time, before people, before the world began, God was. Here and now, among us, beside us, enlisting the people of the earth for the purposes of heaven, God is. In the future, when we will have turned to dust, and all we know has found its fulfilment, God will be. Let us pray. Loving God, you are faithful, just and forgiving. Help us now to grasp the greatness of your love. Where we have failed to love and loved to hurt, forgive us and heal us. Where we have scorned difference and have been indifferent to those in need, forgive us and heal us. Where we have spoken harsh words to others and have been quick to take offence ourselves, forgive us and heal us. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins... He who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. Oh, hello. Uh, today we're going to watch the third part of our cartoon series. Um, it took me a while the first time to work out which was Peter, which was Jesus. But remember... Jesus leads and Peter follows and today Peter is really trying to work out who it is and why it is and what he should do as he follows Jesus. Uh, we often get caught in a similar sort of um, problem and at the moment the uh, presentation about the church roof may well be making you think carefully. Um, pray and follow the Lord. Enjoy. Then you will be acting like your father in heaven. He makes the sun rise. On Nazareth? He grew up here, didn't he? Who is this guy here? He's Jesus. Prophet? Miracle worker? He's a carpenter. Don't his sisters still live here? Where did he get such wisdom? But, but... Prophets are honored by everyone, except the people of their hometown and their own family. What is it? It's John. He's... he's dead. I need to be alone. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> 
to Bethsaida, he says. Quit griping. I think we're getting there. We're getting nowhere. What? It's a ghost. Ghost? What's wrong with you all? Don't worry, it's me. Don't be afraid. Peter? If it really is you, tell me to come to you on the water. Come. Our reading today is Genesis chapter 32, verses 22 to 32. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two maidservants and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. 
So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life is spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip, because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. Uh, Genesis 32, uh, verses 22 to 32, uh, Jacob wrestles with God. Um, let's just remind ourselves, Jacob's on his way back now uh, to the land of his father. Uh, on his way back to the family he left behind in such strange circumstances. Uh, there have been many adventures along the way for him, haven't there? Um, He's been married twice. He's got 11 children. He's got flocks, herds, servants. Uh, there's been all sorts of artful dodging going on with Uncle Laban. Um, that's all come to an end now. Uh, and uh, he's in preparation for meeting his brother. And in, in preparing for that meeting, he's done an awful lot of work, hasn't he? He's sent various gifts on ahead in the hope that Esau's heart will be softened if you know, for whatever reason that doesn't happen. He split all that he owns, all his people, all his flocks and herds into two, um, separated them out uh, in the hope that if Esau is in murderous mood still, uh, if he attacks one lot, the other lot might escape. So the, the all sorts of preparation going on. Uh, and finally, by way of a final preparation, he sends those remaining with him over the stream, uh, <clears throat> ready for the onward journey uh, in the morning. And he settles himself down alone uh, for the night. And it's not a peaceful or a restful night. Uh, someone turns up and there's a fight. And I guess this is one of my greatest fears. Well, it is. It's one of my greatest fears to be set upon in the dark. Uh, and, you know, the, to be set on in, in the dead of night by a stranger. Who is he? What does he want? What's he doing? What's he going to do to me? You know, fear really stalks any encounter like this. And I think it's interesting, isn't it, that, you know, Jacob has prepared for the meeting with his brother, but he's not at all prepared for this meeting. Um and fear, you know, fear is very evident in all of this. And Jacob wrestles and fights with all of his might uh, to try and overcome and overwhelm his assailant. But he doesn't seem to be able to do this. He can't overthrow him. He can hold him. He can check him, but he can't defeat him. And they seem to be in deadlock, these two adversaries. Neither one nor the other uh, can beat their opponent. And the fighting is desperate. And it's unremitting. It is really as if Jacob's whole life is summed up in this night of struggle, isn't it? He's desperately fighting against someone, something unseen. And all of his life he's struggled and he's fought, hasn't he? He's schemed and he's worked. Uh, and none of his cunning is going to prevail this night. Jacob's opponent eventually puts his hip out of joint, puts Jacob's hip, hip out of joint. But even this won't make, make Jacob let go. He clings on for all he's worth. Uh, we see later that Jacob knows that he's been struggling 
with God. He's been wrestling with the Almighty. Uh, all of his life, he has struggled, as we've already noted. Conflict with Esau, conflict with Laban, and now struggling with God. Uh, and I see something of my own life here, I think, and I suspect you may see something of yours too. We fight for mastery of our own lives, don't we? Uh, and the struggle is sometimes desperate. Uh, and it is sometimes a fight with God for mastery. Um, does he put our hip out of joint? No, not necessarily. Uh, but of course, he does let us have enough rope, doesn't he? He lets us come to the end of our own resource, the end of our tether. Uh, and it contains our more destructive elements until we become exhausted and we start to speak to him. Uh, God says to Jacob, daylight's coming, let me go. That seems like a funny thing to say, doesn't it? For God, who is supposed to be almighty, all-powerful. Uh, but Jacob won't let him go until he is blessed. What's your name? Says God. And then a new name is given and finally a blessing offered and Jacob releases him. And the blessing is a painful thing for Jacob. He's going to walk with a limp for the rest of his life. He's never going to forget this encounter with God. This, this is a sign of the reality of the struggle. Uh, it will always be with him. He will never, ever be free from it. Never thought much about a cost for blessing of you. It does make you wonder, doesn't it, when you reflect on this little episode. Interestingly, you know, this notion of God being limited as well, or rather God limiting himself. That's a very big theological concept to wrestle with and to grapple with. And uh, I think really and until you look at the cross. Uh, and what happens to Jesus, you don't fully understand what is going on with this. Um, because, of course, Jesus could have taken a very different path, couldn't he? Um, he submits himself to Father and he uh, he's fully in accord with the plan for salvation, which, which will entail him being falsely accused, mocked, scorned, ridiculed, physically beaten and then nailed to a cross to die. Um, he's, he's in one accord with the Father about how this is going to play out. But it's not, it's, it's not an easy thing. And there are, you can see there are stages along the way where Jesus just asked the question, are we still on the right track with this? I mean, notably uh, Gethsemane. You know, if there's another way, please take this cup from me. But not my will, but yours be done. So we, we shouldn't be surprised that God chooses to limit himself sometimes 
um, in order to achieve something that he wants to achieve. Uh, and that, I think, is, is what's going on in this wrestling uh, between God and Jacob. Uh, and it certainly is what happens at Calvary. Um, the pain in this case, though, belongs to Jacob and it's a mark of his blessing. He's got a new name, Israel. He struggles with God uh, and he's got a limp. And that, again, just pings up a, a thought, doesn't it, about what it means to be in a, a state of blessing. Because very often we would think that means to be free from worry, free from concern, free from anxiety, free from pain, free from. Uh, and Jacob is not free. He's not free from pain. He's not free from injury. In fact, the injury is a part of the blessing. So maybe for some of us, to be blessed is not to be free from, but rather to be given the grace to endure and to live, and not just to survive, but to thrive. And dare we say, to live joyfully in the midst of whatever life's difficulties may be. Interesting, isn't it, to think about some of these things. Uh, a new name and a limp. Uh, we've, we've talked about names, I think, before, haven't we, when we've been in the Bible thinking about various characters. Uh, and this is Jacob's inheritance from that night's work. The limp is a, a constant personal reminder to Jacob, to Jacob himself, that he has contended with God and he's lived to tell the tale because normally that wouldn't be the case. Uh, normally, you know, see God and die. That's usually what happens. Uh, the name Israel, the name by which the nation will become known, means he struggles with God, as we were saying. Uh, and it, it's going to be a mark of that nation down through the generations. And I think you can see it even even today uh, in today's world. Uh, and it's a mark of our own lives too. this wrestling and struggling with God. I, I do think it is a significant thing. Uh, it's an important thing. And it, it is something that we do, even, even if our wrestling and our struggling is only to be saying to God, how long? How long is this going to go on for? Um, how long before you return? How long before we get this answer to prayer? Or how long before that happens? I think we do wrestle and we do struggle with God fairly regularly, not in quite the same way that Jacob does, uh, but certainly in our own personal walk with him, there will be occasions when we will contend with God. And I think God will overcome. <laughs> and how will we be after that conversation? Where will we be? Um, Jacob's a different man after this meeting. He's characterised by the limp and a new name. He's no longer Twister or Cheat or the one who's going to dog your footsteps. All of that stuff from the past is true, isn't it? None of that changes. Um, it's not very flattering, but it's true. Uh, 
Uh, now he is someone else. He's someone new. And it's this new man who will go on to meet with his brother Esau and attempt to reconcile all that's gone before. So he's, he's in a very different place now um, because of this encounter with God. And again, I think that surely must be the case whenever we have encountered the living God. Uh, and I, again, I wonder what we think we're doing sometimes when we come to church, when we can do that. What we think we're doing when we engage with something like this, uh, an online service. What, it, what do you look for? What are, you, what are your expectations when you draw near to God, um, either in worship corporately or privately in prayer? What do you anticipate will happen? Do you anticipate that anything at all will happen? People come to church for all sorts of reasons, don't they? Um, but the key one for me is, you know, encountering God. How are we changed as a result of that encounter? How are we transformed? How are we made more like Jesus? What happens? Can't talk about the how. Um, because, you know, that God deals with us all differently. Um, you can sometimes talk about the when. I can look back to a, a moment uh, when I became very aware of the reality of God uh, and the reality of all that Jesus had done for me on the cross. Um, I know other people that, that can't do that. They, What they can do is talk about a growing realisation um, I have a friend years and years ago, we were, you know, we were teenagers together. He'd always been in a Christian family. I never had any of that. <laughs> uh, I, I, it was a proper, you know, bolt from the blue for me when I discovered that all that Jesus had done for me. My mate had, you know, been going to church since he was a baby and he just sort of knew all this stuff. Uh, and of course, there's a temptation, isn't there, to think that the way that you have come to know about the reality of the gospel, well, that's the only way it can happen. No, there are all sorts of ways, actually. Lots and lots. Um, the way that I came is just one way. The way that my friend came is another way. Um, it was interesting, actually, to listen to him. Because he didn't, I mean, sometimes you, if you've been in, in a Christian atmosphere for all of your life, I think sometimes you can wonder, is this actually real or am I just so conditioned to this? But my mate just said to me, I, I knew all this stuff for such a long time. Uh, but there did come, you know, there was a period when I started to just think to myself, do I, am I, do I believe this? because my parents believe it or do I believe it for myself and he began a sort of process of thinking and reflecting for himself and he came to the view that all that he had imbibed really over that long period it actually was true and he now discovers to the mass and he was baptized not because his parents wanted him to be but because he knew the saving grace of Jesus for himself. It's a wonderful thing, isn't it? 
I wonder about you. What about you? What route have you taken to get where you are now? Are you are you still in this exploring phase? <clears throat> Excuse me, where you're, you know, you're open still. Uh, you, of course, you're very open. Otherwise, you wouldn't be watching this, would you? <laughs> uh, but you you see there may be something in this God stuff, uh, and you're moving your way slowly towards whether or not this is true and whether or not it's for you. Because there's that as well, isn't there? What has this got to do with me? Well, I would encourage you to continue your exploration. Keep on accessing this for as long as it's this service for as long as it's here. When we're all back in church together, we're, we're not quite sure yet whether this is going to continue or something different or whatever. But, you know, if you live if you live near to Water Eaton Church Centre uh, and you you fancy just meeting in, in real life, just come say hello. It'd be interesting to meet you and to see what you look like. You know what I look like. Come say hello if you get the chance. So this uh, this encounter, this encounter with God, Jacob is different. Um, he goes forward from this moment, actually, with a new resolve, with a new strength and with a new understanding of himself. And that, friends, is no bad thing. And if we manage, if we've managed to achieve that, I will be more than happy. Amen. Let us pray. We pray for all those places in the world where democracy is currently under threat, Lord. Particularly, we lift before your throne of grace uh, the people of Myanmar and Hong Kong. Uh, we know that there are significant issues around this issue. We pray for all those uh, that are calling for democracy. Uh, we pray for all those who are in power. Uh, and we ask that they might understand the importance uh, of the demands that are being made. We pray for an opening up of dialogue between the two sides and ask that uh, a satisfactory and peaceful resolution will be found. We're thankful, Father, to all those in our country that provide food for us. Uh, we want to pray for farmers and fishermen today. Lift them up before your throne of grace. Pray that you will bless and encourage them. We ask that they will, uh, they will be aware of how much we appreciate just what they do for us. Help us to look, Lord, at our shopping habits and to change the way that we shop if we need to in order to support those in our country that are trying to help us. And whilst we're thinking about businesses, we do pray for all entrepreneurs and businessmen uh, up and down the country. This has been a really, really tough year uh, with many not quite knowing uh, what the future holds, whether or not they're going to have a business to run when we emerge from the pandemic, as hopefully we will uh, later this year. So we pray for all those who have been concerned and worried about their businesses, their livelihoods, 
the people that work with them and for them. We pray that you will give them a clarity of vision as they look to the future. We pray that you will uh, encourage them, that they will find ways to uh, bolster what they're doing, that they'll find ways not only to survive, but to thrive. We continue to give thanks for all those that are involved with the vaccine rollout, those that are producing the vaccine, those that are distributing it, those that are administering it. We are so thankful, <coughs> Lord, for all that you are doing for us in this way. And again, uh, thankful for the NHS, <coughs> excuse me, and for all that nurses, doctors and others are doing to keep us safe uh, in these difficult days. We pray your rich blessing on all these folk. We pray for our friends, for Chris, <clears throat> Ken, Adrienne and Hugh, Eric, Les, Dot, Margaret and Bob, Peter, Jesse, Dennis and Shirley, Mary, Jay, Terry, Lynn, Graham, Lauren and Lewis, Andy, Thelma, Naomi. Be all that they need in these days, Lord. We gather our prayers together as we say the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. We say the canticle together. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We come to share communion. Uh, the way we're going to do this is I'm going to read the words that I would normally read. When we're in church together, I will lead the prayers that I would normally lead. Uh, you'll need a piece of bread and you'll need a little wine or whatever you're substituting for wine. Uh, and we will eat and drink together. And I'll be very clear about when we do that and how we do that. You just follow what I am doing. So. If you truly and earnestly repent of your sins and are in love and charity with your neighbours, and are resolved to lead a new life, following the commandments of God, and walking henceforth in his holy ways, 
then draw near with faith and take this sacrament to your comfort and growth in grace. Come to this sacred table, not because you must, but because you may. Come not to testify that you are righteous, but that you sincerely love our Lord Jesus Christ and desire to be his true disciples. Come not because you are strong, but because you are weak. Not because you have any claim on heaven's rewards, but because in your frailty and sin, you stand in constant need of heaven's mercy and help. I am the bread of life, Jesus told them. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. He also said, listen, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hear my voice and open the door, I will come into the house and eat with them and they with me. Let us pray. Lord, we come to your table trusting in your mercy and not in any goodness of our own. We are not worthy even to gather up the crumbs from under your table, but it is your nature always to have mercy and on that we depend. So feed us with the body and blood of Jesus Christ, your son, that we may forever live in him and he in us. Amen. This is what the Apostle Paul tells us concerning the institution of the Lord's Supper. For the tradition which I handed on to you came to me from the Lord himself, that on the night of his arrest, the Lord Jesus took bread and after giving thanks to God, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Whenever you do this, remember me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper and said, this cup is the new covenant sealed by my blood. Whenever you drink it, do this in memory of me. For every time you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the death of the Lord until he comes. Jesus offered a prayer of thanksgiving for bread and for wine, and we shall do the same. Let us pray. Father God, thank you for bread and for wine, ordinary things, which in your hands become extraordinary. We thank you for giving us something physical to help us remember you. Uh, your body broken for us, the bread broken your blood shed for us, the wine that we can taste, things to touch and see and taste. Thank you, Father, for putting these things into our hands. As we eat and drink, may we do so with thankful hearts. Amen. So after he'd given thanks, the Lord took the bread and he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you the body of Christ, broken for us. In the same way, he took the cup after supper. This cup is the new covenant sealed by my blood. Whenever you drink this, remember me, the blood of Christ that cleanses us from all sin.
Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Now going to God's word with joy and peace and love and hope in your hearts and the blessing of God Almighty, Creator, Redeemer and Sustainer of all, be with us all evermore. Amen. Mm -hmm.